who are the people that you aspire to be like? Just try to go figure out how to be around them. If you can do that, then you're going to pick up on the on the character traits, the way that they think. You're going to pick up just just from simply being around them a ton of stuff that's going to shortcut your path to success in whatever you want to do. For those of you that know me well, you know that baseball is not really a, a, a sport of mine, um, but I have recently been following someone who's my guest today who is posting lots of content about catching. And ever since watching his content, I literally want to go back to my childhood and become a catcher. So that must mean that he's doing something right. There's like 30,000 plus people following this guy and he's a lot more than just a catching coach and you're going to hear that today. But I will waste no more time. And Bourgeois, I think I said that right. Welcome to the show. Bingo. That, that was a great intro, man. That was a great <laughs> well, I only practiced like a hundred times. Um, no, <laughs> but dude, thanks for joining me. Of course, guys, you're getting tired of hearing this. This is another person that I've met from LinkedIn. Um, LinkedIn has changed my life because I get to meet people like Ange. One thing that he and I talk about a lot is right now we're 25, 26 ish years old, young in our careers. Um, but we love networking with each other and other people our age. One, just because it's fun to make friends and build relationships, but also in 10, 15, 20 years, people our age will be the business owners and the leaders in the world. And I've been told advice from older people that you'll be surprised when all of those relationships are coming around. And so, um, you know, who knows where this goes? Hopefully in 20 years, we can look back on this and be like, oh my gosh. Look where the Lord has led all of this. But that's kind of a little bit of how our relationship is formed. He's helped me a ton with this new TikTok venture I'm on, which for those of you following me, I'm trying to figure it out along, along the way. Um, and honestly, at this point, I'm just rambling because I just finished a Celsius and I'm just on one right now. So I'm going to stop talking. Ange Bourgeois, what, where did the name Ange come from? I know you've got a story behind that. I do have a story. So basically... Here's, here's the short story, and then I may, I may add in some other details, too. But so when my mom was pregnant with me, um, my dad had one of his best friends who was named Ange. And my parents lived in Utah. And so my dad worked with Ange. Ange is going to go propose to his girlfriend, goes and drives to California. And as they're on their way, his brother's driving, falls asleep at the wheel, rolls the car. Ange dies, his brother lives. And so super like tragic moment, but had a had a really profound impact on my dad, was a really great friend, great golfer. And so we went, uh, or, or so my parents decided to name me Andrew Jason, because Jason is my dad's name. So Andrew Jason, but they chose Ange beforehand. So they chose Ange as my nickname, want to give me a real name as like a legal name because Ange can be confusing. Um, and so that's how I got Ange Bourgeois. Wow. Andrew, Jason. And, and that, I mean, that really is a, a tragic story. Um, but it, but it's cool that that's where your name comes from and, and this guy's legacy lives on. So Ange is a great name. That's always a great conversation starter. Um, but you, you're from Irvine, California, right? You grew up in California? So I grew up in Salt Lake City, California. And was Wait, there. Salt Lake City, California? Or, well, my bad. Salt Lake City, Utah. <laughs> came out to California 
for college. Uh, I played baseball at Biola University, which is in La Mirada. Um, so still Southern California. Met my wife there, Bailey. After we got married, we moved back to Salt Lake City. And I was a youth pastor at the church that I'd grown up at. Uh, we were there for nine months and then decided to come back to California. And I was like, I don't know what I want to do. I wanted to play baseball my whole life. And then I was like, well, maybe I'll go be a pastor. And I'm like, well, I'm not being a pastor anymore. Maybe I don't, I don't know. And, um, and so then I was like, well, I don't know. Financial planning sounds cool. You know, you get to sit, sit down with people and it's like a really intimate trust building moment because, you know, money is, can be really personal and get to figure out what their goals and dreams are and be creative in the way that they allocate money and hey, it's not even your money. Like it's the money that God's given you. How do we best use this? Um, so got a job doing, uh, being a paraplanner, which is like on your way to becoming a CFP and financial planner, literally move out to, to California, unload our furniture from the U-Haul. And the next day after all the stuff is unloaded, get an email from the CEO saying, Hey, COVID, sorry, we're not sure what's going on. Like we're going to have to, gonna have to pause. And so I was like, Oh my gosh, looking back, that was one of the best things that ever happened to me because I would have died in that job. My soul would have shrunk because I'm a creative person. I want to build, I want to innovate. I want to do things. And in the financial industry, that is not, uh, looked highly upon per se. So, so, but, but we needed proof of insurance or proof of income in order to get a place. So that was like a huge thing that I got the offer and then it was taken away. Um, when we got there. So like, look, looking back, it's like, well, okay, I see there, there's a plan. So then after that, then I got into some digital marketing, uh, at like a little startup and kind of wet my feet in the digital space. I, there's no way I would have, I would have gotten into that if not for that experience of losing losing the job opportunity. This was the only opening. It was COVID. Everything was madness. Because I was not really a tech guy, not a digital person. I'm like, I'm a people person, man. Like, not a, not a tech guy. Um, so got my feet wet there. Then moved into sales. Uh, did sales for a year, selling shipping services, like UPS and freight services. And went over to CentOS um, and sold toilet paper, paper towels, floor mats. Uh, did that for, I want to say like six months or so. And then I sent a life changing DM to someone on LinkedIn and that's how I'm at impacts right now. So. Wow. That's a, a great story. And it's just cool to think that you showed up to California and job didn't work out, but you had proof of, uh, income, proof of employment, just so you can live there. And then it's all worked out since then. And even just how me as someone else that has been like, oh, I'm a, I'm a people person, which my job still is, but mm -hmm. I'm selling a technology. I'm doing a lot of stuff over Zoom. So it's just cool how you've even kind of learned what you're passionate about, I guess. Um, so when you say life-changing DM, I, I, I feel like I'm being led to ask about this life-changing DM. <laughs> so... Essentially, so when I was at CentOS, I was in outside sales, right? I had an awesome job, man. I had the Newport Beach territory. I didn't have my own territory yet because I was still like like in training or whatever. 
Um, then I was like out of training, but there weren't any open territories. But I had Newport Beach, Costa Mesa, uh, Laguna Beach, like the coolest territory that you could imagine. Um, and they're paying for my car. They're paying for my gas. So I, I have this awesome job, but I'm going around going door to door. And I'm like, I don't know how effective this is. Like, I feel like this could be done much more efficiently. Uh, like this seems like a model from a long time ago. And then I actually got called in for jury duty. And I don't know what this case was still to this day. It must've been some intense, maybe murder case or something, but get called in for jury duty. And the case is for two months. And it's like Monday through Thursday, nine to four thirty. And I'm like, Oh, that's not going to work. I'm in sales. Like my income is directly tied to my activity. And so I told the judge, I was like, Hey, I'm in sales. Like I'm young, like, prepared for two years. I need to work. And she's like, you'll figure it out. And I was like, Oh, okay. Okay. Um, so luckily the, the case got pushed due to some of the people getting COVID, um, which is unfortunate, but fortunate for me because I was able to, to go work, but it made me think, and I was like, man, what would I have to do if that was, if those were the constraints, right? And constraints drive innovation, constraints drive decision-making. So I was like, if I did have those constraints, what would I need to do? And I was like, well, I need to do things through the internet. And then I need to stack my Fridays up and close all of them. Like that's, like that's what would need to happen. And so I was like, well, how would I do that? Well, I don't know, let me do some research. Found this guy named Tom Ferry. Who is a real estate coach? Talks a lot about making videos on YouTube, doing a bunch of stuff, um, creating content around the questions that people are asking. And then another dude that I met through LinkedIn, um, he posted a, a, a picture of a book called They Ask You Answer. And I, so I read this thing and I was like, oh my gosh, this is the playbook. This, this is literally exactly how you would do it, um, especially in an industry that that there's low trust, which the facility services, uniform industry, there's low trust. And I'm like, wow, this is, this is genius. And then at the same time, I was also um, reading uh, this book called Play Bigger by Christopher Lockhead and some of the guys. Have you heard of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't read it, but I've heard of it. Yeah. So read Play Bigger, started learning about category design, was also listening to Chris Walker um, on Gosh, I forget what his podcast, he just changed it to revenue vitals. But, um, so I was like, like, I, I like came across, they ask you answer. I'd already been reading and listening to this stuff and my mind was just blown. And so I literally just created this video because I said, I have to get this stuff out of my head because this is it, man. Like this is like the future of sales. And so I made this uh, video presentation on Canva and, uh, recorded it. I had, I was sick at the time and I have asthma. So I was like, I'm like coughing through the whole video. And, um, and I just sent it to a few of my friends. Um, and so anyways, a month later, I sent it to one of my mentors and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to send it to Marcus, the author of They Ask You Answer. Like a lot of times I see authors post like, Hey, these are the types of messages that make it all worth it. And so I send it to him. I said, Hey, I made a video of you, Chris Walker and Christopher Lockhead. Um, it's about 10 minutes, but I think that you might really enjoy it. 
uh, you know, I work at CentOS. I think that we should be doing assignment selling um, and like writing big five type of content, uh, which are like someday ask you answer terms. So it showed that I knew his stuff. And, and I was like, either way, thought I'd send it over. Hope that you have a great day. And he responds back and is like, hey, why are you working there? Why are you not working with me? Uh, would you be open to talking? And so I was like, heck yeah, I'd be open to talking. And um, so life-changing DM, man. I, I have been there. I've learned so much. The people that I work with are incredible. Um, and I get to help people build trust in their industry through answering the questions that customers ask. So pretty cool, man. Golly, that really is a life-changing DM. I, so often we really are one message away from really changing the trajectory of our career or our lives. And, um, I even one message, I think that would be good to share here to listeners, especially people younger, maybe in their twenties is Ange saw a problem with, with his job and said, what, how can I fix that? How can I be innovative? How can I be different? And something I've been learning a lot about, I think with our generation of being on the back end of millennials, some people in, in the Gen Z is that like, there are a lot of older ways of doing work. Mm -hmm. And while I think we have an enormous amount to learn from some of these older generations, I do think that we have these innovative minds that have grown up with technology that see the world differently and think that there's better ways. And like you did that and now it changed your career and it changed your life. And I'm sure that's led to some of the stuff you're doing on TikTok and all that. I, I don't want to get too much into it, but what, I mean, what is, What's, what's the job? I mean, what's the rest of the story? What are you doing now? Yeah, dude. So it's cool. So I came in as a content trainer. So essentially how it works, right? Are you familiar with like EOS or scaling up or yeah. anything like that? Cool. So, so it's, it's very similar to that, but it's for sales and marketing coaching. And so, you know, one of the problems that we often see is that people outsource their marketing to agencies, which does it leads to a few major problems, right? One being that, you know, the voice of the company is not truly reflected. It's just some agency who doesn't really have the subject matter expertise to be talking on it. They're just Googling stuff and coming up with stuff, right? And then two, they, they don't have control over like what is really being published. Like they don't have, they don't have like an internal content team that's able to ramp up, ramp down, pivot, change focus. And so their content engine per se is not that strong, which as we're aware, right? Content is king right now. That That's how businesses are growing and dying depending on how well they're, they're using content. So, um, and then the other thing, oftentimes they pay way more for way less when they outsource their, their agency. So we train companies to do sales and marketing in-house um, so that you aren't dependent on an agency that you have control over your destiny. And one of the ways that we do that, or, I mean, we do it a lot of ways, but we, we do, we have a mastery program. It's very similar to like an EOS or scaling up. So you have a head coach who oversees the entire company. Um, we'll start with like a kickoff, like a three hour planning period session. Um, and then from there we'll set priorities and then we'll break out with trainers uh, the main things that we need to work on. So typically within the first 90 days, we're hiring a content manager who's going to write written content for blog articles. And then we're going to hire a videographer who's going to write, who, or who's going to create uh, video content. 
Um, then also, hopefully there's a HubSpot admin, and then we'll, we'll work with your sales team. And so you get like the head coach overseeing the account, then you got those four kind of trainers that are overseeing those four key components of the sales and marketing initiative. And then we work to oversee it from a high level and then work one-on-one -on -one or in group settings with like the content manager and the videographer and train them up on the skills that they need in order to turn this content engine on and answer the questions that customers are asking. So that's essentially wow. I love that. I love that. And I think that what you said is people that are outsourcing their marketing, maybe it's like a, a quick fix, but there's a lot of problems that can come up from there. And I feel like you're saving people money, a lot of money in the long term, because if you're training them how to think strategically about their marketing, they can, once they learn from you, they can probably then take that and then build upon it from there. So it sounds like you're solving a, a great problem. I, I love to hear it. Now, um, I got to hear the story about, about TikTok. I mean, you're, you're talking about catching, got 30,000 plus people following you. I have no idea when you started or how you got rolling with that. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So man, where to start? So I've wanted to do this for a long time. Um, I, I, I transitioned to a catcher my junior year of college. So I don't know how much you know about baseball, how much you know about catching, but that is extremely late, extremely late. That's what I heard. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was crazy. And, um, and I was crazy enough to do it, which was also crazy. Um, but yeah, so I, I transitioned my junior year of college had caught like maybe a few bullpens before, but throughout that process, I learned so much and I learned it literally from the ground level up and I love to teach. And so I know how to teach the position really, really well. Um, and I learned so much throughout my time. There's so many life lessons that I learned playing at Biola. I had some awesome coaches. So I've wanted to do this for a while. I've had all these content ideas on my head. Uh, I love posting on LinkedIn. I've been practicing posting on LinkedIn for maybe a, two years before this TikTok opportunity came around. And so you know, a lot of it is like preparing yourself so that when the opportunity comes, you can take it. Because a lot of times, once the opportunity is there, then you're not ready for it. And then what happens, right? But I had known how to make content. I had known how to like, like what resonates, what doesn't, how do you write a good hook? I'd been practicing that stuff for a while. Um, and then I also was looking at, hey, how does they ask you answer apply in the social space? But I needed to focus on figuring out the content space first. And so my, my, I got switched teams and the new uh, head of my team, Christy Prey, awesome dude. Absolutely love this guy. He told me, he was like, hey, no more LinkedIn. You need to focus on getting really good at your job. Because at that point, I wasn't. And I like really didn't like that. But it was exactly what I needed in order to perform my job at a high level was like, just the, the blinders on. But at the same time, I was like, knowing again, like, like I was about to have a baby and I'm like, no, I'm, I know that content is going to help me and I need to keep creating content uh, in order to keep advancing in my career and keep learning. Like, this seems like a really big opportunity. 
I'm really curious about it. I think there's a reason that I'm curious about it. And so like, okay. And then at the same time, one of my good buddies, he was a groomsman in my wedding. I was a groomsman at his wedding. He was posting baseball content. Uh, and he kind of got big because I don't know if you ever saw this, but he got, he was a free agent signed by the nationals and he goes and tells his dad and his dad starts crying. And he's like, I'm so proud of you. And it, it like blew up. He was like national person of the week on good morning America. And like once the right fielder for the nationals at the time, like, like reposted it on the things like, Hey, welcome to the team. So like su super cool. And then he got released and he started making baseball content. And he was getting a bunch of catching questions and he was like, Hey, there's a bunch of people asking catching questions on my stuff. Like, let me give you a camera and teach you how to edit. And then, you know, you can, you can start making stuff. So he helped me make my first video. And then I had all the systems, knowledge and content ideas already. And so then it was just off to the races, man. Once he, once he showed me that my, my second video got like 1.3 million views. Ooh. went to 10,000 followers in a week and um yeah now i'm at like over 30,000 i think i'm at like 12 or something on instagram now but it's been so cool dude it's been so cool to learn and and you know one one other thing too and you probably have have some follow up questions based on that story but this is this is probably the coolest part i connected with a dad uh and a son in louisiana and he told me, we hopped on a Zoom call, and he told me, I watch your videos with my son every night before bed. And I just kind of took a step back, and I was like, wow, what, what a connection point for a father and a son through something that they love, baseball, catching, in a way that I can help educate and guide in the skill development of catching, but also teach the principles about life. Like, come on, like that's what makes my heart light on fire. And one of my other mentors, he tells me hearts on fire, get stuff done. And mm. that absolutely lights my heart on fire. So I'm like, dude, that fires me up. And so, yeah, we can go into a lot more, but I'll, I'll let you take it where you want to go from here. Dude, hearts on fire, get stuff done. I mean, I, I even have chills thinking about that because it's a win-win for everyone because you're, you love catching, you're yeah. having fun doing it. And, and guys, social media can be a horrible thing, but it can also be a life-changing, incredible, fruitful thing, depending on how one, you're, if you're creating content, what content that you're creating and the goal that you have, but then also as a consumer, you have the choice to decide what you're looking at. So may, maybe you don't care about catching. Maybe you don't care about baseball. I don't care about either. Yet I still follow Ange and now I, I think I do care about it. <laughs> but like, I just think it's, it's really cool that you're saying, Hey, I, I am trying to, to create some good. And yeah, you're helping people become better catchers. But I bet, I just bet that that kid and his dad, their relationship is growing through you, which is super cool. I've got chills thinking about that story. Oh man, that's awesome. Now, okay, it, it says something about you that your junior year of college, you were like, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll pick up catching. I mean, I, I feel like someone that's played a sport for their whole life that's been really passionate about it that hasn't done that, there's probably a level at that point, especially as a college athlete, to have maybe a level of entitlement or like there are eight other positions that I actually 
could probably pick up faster than this one, <laughs> yet you did it. I mean, I think your willingness to to show up, I mean, did the team like need somebody to step in? How did that happen? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. So there is a push and a pull, both of them, which I think is important to know, like whenever there's a, there's a big decision, you know, to see it, feel if there's a, there's a push and a pull. Oftentimes you want both. Um, cause that's when it's going to be easiest to, to go. But so yeah, great question. So the only reason that I did it was because my coach asked me to, and he called me one day. I, I remember I was in Ohio playing summer ball literally the day before, kid you not the day before. Or something like that. It was like right before. It feels like the day before. It could have been a few days or whatever. But it's like 95 degrees, 80% humidity in Ohio. Just awful. And I see our catchers just getting absolutely beat up behind the plate. They're running. They're completely dripped in sweat. They're going to do blocking drills. And I remember looking at them and telling one of my teammates, wow, you really got to be a different type of person if you want to catch. And wow, the the ultimate foreshadow, right? And um, so the next day or whatever it was, I'm in the gym uh, working out with my teammates and I get a call from my coach right after I I had finished, I was doing abs and stretching. And he's like, hey, I got a question for you. I was like, okay. He's like, I don't need an answer from you right now. You can take some time to pray about it, think about it. But... Would you be open to learning to catch? And he lays out, he's like, look, it's really difficult transition. There's very high chance that you could get caught in the middle and not really playing. The skill sets transfer well, right? Quick feet, quick hands, good head on your shoulders, leadership abilities. But it's a, it's a completely different position. You're not going to be catching ground balls. You're going to be in a squat, blocking balls on your knees, like, very different skill sets. And he was like, but I wouldn't ask anyone else to do this. He said, your work ethic and your attention to detail are the two reasons that I think that you could actually do it. And so I was like, all right, well, let me, let me think about it. Now that's kind of the, the pull, the push was also, I wanted to go play professionally and I ran like a seven to 60. Um, so in baseball, if you're playing middle infield, and you're not running below a seven, you're not going to go play on. And so I was aware of that. We also had another transfer come in from the University of Utah who was a a bounce-back transfer who was super good. So then we had four, like, four really good infielders uh, at third, short, and second in three spots. And um, and so I I was aware of all those things, and, and I was like, you know what? If I move to to catch, right, I think my greatest strength, which is my ability to communicate and lead and connect with the, with pitching staff, is actually enhanced. And I think my greatest weakness, which is my speed, actually kind of flips and becomes a weapon. Because if I can run a 7-2 as a catcher, like, hey, that, that's actually not too bad. Yeah. Um, and so it was like all of those factors combined were – you know, the, the reason that I was like, well, you know what, I, I think this might be a good idea. And so I was like, all right, well, let's go. So I started, I started stretching and started reading and started uh, finding all the information that I could and just getting after it. So I only caught for 18 months in total. Um, 
and had some some major ups and downs, but it was an awesome ride. Man, that's a that's a great story, and I think that it's just so impressive for you to see an opportunity and and yeah, there's some risk, but then take a chance and go for it and do it. And y'all, and said, so I started stretching and reading and studying and researching. If you can be an aggressive learner, especially mm -hmm. as someone in their twenties, that's typically entitled because maybe you've been around your parents or everything's been handed to you. And I'm not, I'm not calling on out. That was me <laughs> until recently. Um, but like, if you can say, I'm going to learn and dive in, then the opportunities, the floodgates are going to open and you don't even have to be like elite at whatever it is that you're doing. It's just the fact that most other people aren't aggressively learning. They're coasting and drifting, which is the <laughs> point of this podcast, because I don't want you to do that. Um, so, I, I mean, we can talk more about catching a little bit if you want. Off the cuff, you've mentioned a few times that there's some life lessons that you've learned from catching. Um, I don't want to majorly put you on the spot here, but if anything comes to mind, I, I'd, I'd love to hear some of those. No, this is great, man. This is who I am, bro. This is who I am. So, yeah, so many life lessons. The biggest one, and I've, I have, I think I will write a book on this someday or do a podcast on this someday, but called Simple But Hard. Because mm. through that, through catching, I remember I was sitting back there and you know, I developed a lot of like frameworks and like, how do I think about this? That is cool now because now I can share it. And that's like a lot of my content of like, what's the goal of receiving? What's the goal of throwing? What's the goal of, of blocking? What does a good catching stance look like? What's the goal of it? Um, and I, the, so how I came up with it is the goal of receiving is to catch the ball in one fluid motion back to the zone. And I know this isn't directly answering your question, but hopefully this will help some people with how they think too. Do you know what the inversion principle is? Not really. I think I've heard of it, but I don't know. Okay. So the inversion principle is like one of my very favorite things. I was first exposed to it uh, through this guy named Jason Selk, who was a mental performance coach for the Cardinals, uh, but apparently Charlie Munger, like Warren Buffett's number two guy, is the guy who popularized this. But the idea is it's easier to think about what makes something go bad than makes something go good. And so and so you, you can literally use this for, for anything, especially when it comes to making decisions. Um, but so like for receiving, for example, if you use the inversion principle, you're like, okay, What's the thing that would screw everything up when I receive? Well, I would want to make strikes look like balls, catch it away from the zone. I'd want to catch it away from my body. I'd want to make it look jerky. And I'd want to be late. Right? So then it's like, okay, well, if you just flip that, it's going to give you a really good idea of what good looks like. Well, I, sh I should probably catch it back to the zone, not jerky, but fluid not late, but getting there early. And, and you can literally just take the wrong thing and just flip it. And it's going to, it's going to push you within 90% accuracy of what the right thing is. And so hopefully all you guys can use that, whether it's, you know, what would a good girlfriend or spouse look like? Well, let's think about what a bad one would look like. And then let's, let's just flip it around and that'll generally point you in the right direction. Job, sales prospect, whatever. Um, but so all that stuff. So the idea of simple but hard came to me when I kind of figured out this framework of like, okay, you got to catch it back to the zone in one fluid motion. And I'm sitting back there behind the plate 
And I'm like, very simple concept. And these guys are throwing 92 with sink. And I'm just like, just catching balls down, away from the zone, late, stabby, clunking off my glove. And I'm like, gosh, this is so hard. And I'm like, but it's so simple. And I was like, oh, simple but hard. Um, mm. and, and through that, I just got really passionate about the fundamentals because like, I just learned that, you know, I'm doing the same drills as Yadier Molina, one of the best catchers of all time is doing, who's also doing the same drills as an eight-year-old catcher. But the difference is not in the drill that we're doing. It's in how well we do the drill. And so I just got really passionate about the fundamentals and that, that transferred over into my life um, and my faith. And I was like, you know what? I'm really not truly reading my Bible every day. I was like, if I, if I really want to follow Jesus, then like, you know, I need to be in his word and I need to be talking to him. And I was like, wow, that's, you know, every single person who is a Christian would say, oh yeah, you should read your Bible and pray. But, but again, how often do we actually do it? Very simple very hard to do consistently well. And so that that's a big thing. And then another thing is, you know, I think the most important thing, especially for young catchers, is a good stance. And so I, if you watch my videos, so much of it talks about the stance because you, you, you can't move on to the more advanced things until you're in a good stance. Mm -hmm. And that's where so many of us go wrong is we think we're more advanced than we are. So we don't do the fundamentals well when really the only way to get to the advanced levels is to do the fundamentals well for a really, really long period of time. Um, so then one more thing on this. Um, one thing that I, I really love, probably one of my favorite passages in in the Bible is the Sermon on the Mount. That's that's probably my very, very favorite one. My coach would always say, hey, this is the first time Jesus speaks publicly. Do you think he was intentional about what he said? And at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount, he finishes and he says, all right, everyone hears these words of mine. There's a guy who builds on the on the rock, and there's a guy who builds on the sand. And he says, the guy who builds on the rock is the one who hears it and does it. The guy who builds it on the sand is the one who hears it and doesn't do it. And then when the storms come and the rains flood, you will see whether your house stands or falls. And and the, the, it's one of the most famous stories, but also one of the most misinterpreted because what people think is if you hear it, it's on the rock. If you don't hear it, it's on the sand. But if you actually listen to the story, then it says both hear it, one does, one doesn't do. And that was just so true for me in my catching life that I like hung on to that thing because the storms come when you're catching, man. Like guys are throwing really fast balls and you have to block them. And if your foundation is not rock solid, you will literally get exposed and you have to go run to the backstop to go pick up the ball. And so I got really passionate about like, okay, how do I build on a firm foundation in this? Cause that's the only way that I'm going to make it. Um, so yeah, so many lessons, man, we could talk for another two hours just on those stories, but I'll, I'll shut up and, and, and let you go. 
Dude, I'm like misty eyed over here as we're making analogies to, to catching in life and, and following Jesus. If that's something that, that you do. I, I mean, you've had to have think about those before. And I'm so glad that I asked because that just, it's so important. And I even just think about some of your videos. You've got eight year olds that are in there. And I know that you're able to teach them that from an early age, the simple, but hard, so good. I think it makes me think about, there's a book behind me called grit and the author, Angela Duckworth talks about deliberate practice. It's okay. like, you might be doing the same thing as the best catcher of all time, the same drill, but how deliberately are you doing it? Like, are you doing, is it perfect practice? Um, and I, and I just think that that's one of the things that I got from you there. And then just your stance, like your, your foundation is so important. And guys, that's why I have this podcast. If you're in your twenties, um, you don't have to be in your twenties, but you have so much more of your life to live. We may feel like adults because maybe you went to college and graduated college and you have your first job and you're making money, but we don't know anything. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't want to discredit us because I do think there is a lot of wisdom and things that we have, but like, how can we learn and build a foundation right now for when maybe you have kids one day and you, you go through hardships with them? Maybe, maybe you lose a job. Maybe you go through a major recession and, and, and storms come. So how can we prepare right now? And just because you've heard something like, as we said on the sermon on the Mount, doesn't mean it's fallen on solid ground. It could be on the sand. It's like your parents, just because your parents taught you to be a good character, or if you grew up in a Christian household, taught you the Bible stories, that means nothing. And I can say that with confidence because that's my story. It's like my parents gave me all the head knowledge. I learned it from school. I learned it at church. It wasn't in my heart till later on and my life looked completely different. So how do we get there from catching? That's amazing. And, and that's why I wanted to have you on here because these are just amazing principles. I, I normally try to keep it around 30 minutes and we're over, but I still have a few, few couple quick hitters to ask you about um, just for a couple more things to add here at the end. One of the things that you mentioned before me, um, older people will help you. That's something yes. that you told me. What was your mindset there? Oh, I was hoping you'd bring this up. So this is something that I realized quickly. Once I was on LinkedIn, dude, I'm telling you, LinkedIn is, you know, and, and, and this may change in a few years, you know, maybe someone listens to this a few years from now, but, but LinkedIn is so special because it's people who are in the business world. Right. Like the the intention is to teach and to give. It's not necessarily like the other social media platforms uh, because it's more business oriented. But one thing that I noticed is that these older people, they want to help the young guns. They genuinely want to help the young guns. And this was made so apparent to me. So there was this one guy. Uh, his name's Dustin. He's a CEO of an escrow company in Irvine. And when I was selling UPS shipping stuff, I found him. He went to Biola. I followed up with him 12, 15 times, left him so many voicemails. Um, and I was just determined, I'm going to talk to you. Like, there's no way where you're not going to talk to me. And we have a meeting and he's like, look, I'm not switching to UPS. You know why I took the meeting? And I was like, no, I like, why? And he's like, because I, you went to my school. And I want to help you out. And you followed up with me so many times that I figured that you might be worth paying attention to. And, mm. and through that, dude, we've built this awesome relationship. And I also connected with some other people on LinkedIn. And 
the older people like that have been successful in business, they've already they've already done their thing. They've made their money, they've they've built their businesses, they've they've done their thing. They've achieved a lot of things that they want to achieve. And so the next thing that they want to achieve is they want to pass on what they've learned. And when I learned this, I was like, whoa, these guys genuinely want to help. Like I can go to them and they will they will help shortcut my path with the with the wisdom that they have if I just ask them. And that like as again simple but hard, but like as simple as that is, if you actually do that, you shortcut so many painful lessons that you would have to learn and you get connected to these other people who have resources that you don't have when you're young. So that has been cool. And then I guess one other thing on that, there's been this guy who I get coffee with every Sunday morning at Starbucks. We call it our bucks because it's ours. Um, and uh, he has just like walked with me slowly for the past year, working on things, uh, talking through life, helping me create systems in my life. And that has been the probably the greatest gift of this year. I'm also having a baby, so that's up there too. Um, but, but that has been truly life-changing to have an older person in my life speaking into it, giving me wisdom, help, helping, helping me figure this, the, these things out. And again, he does it because he wants to invest in me. And I think there's a lot of people that, that have this belief that the older generation doesn't want to invest in them. And it's like cutting the legs off of their development where if they did believe that, then they would go have these relationships that would really help. Dude, that's awesome. I'm so glad you have those relationships and older people really do want to help. Not every single one of them. Also like we are not entitled to their time or their wisdom. I do think there's certain things like, following up a certain amount of times or showing up on time or thanking them or genuinely listening and paying attention. That's going to say, okay, the way I'm spending my time is, is worth it. So you can't just roll up and, you know, be entitled to somebody's time. That's really valuable. But I have found that as well, that people do really care. And also I think the best leaders, the people who are the wisest, I've learned this from Tim Elmore, who's in his sixties now, I believe I have I had him on this podcast, but he talks about how people our age, we actually have timely wisdom. I think that's what he calls it. So um, that might be interesting. You're working, at, you're working at CentOS and you have uh, an innovative idea for how to sell that could be relevant to someone older. So let's not cut ourselves short. Our, us younger folks that have grown up with technology that think differently, that have innovative ideas, we have timely ideas, but never underestimate timeless principles, timeless characteristics that you will probably only learn from a, a mentor or an older person because they've lived it. Mm -hmm. And I do think that we might know some of these answers, but we haven't lived them. We haven't lived through super hard things. We haven't raised children. And there's just certain things that we can't learn that you really can't shortcut and bypass if you really lean in and listen and, you know, want to learn from these people. So great, great prompt to find some older people and, and really learn from them as well. And, th and then I think the way that, I can end us unless there's anything else you wanted to add. When we were talking before, you mentioned something about, um, or when you texted me of like who you want to be or who you want to become. Mm. Um, 
You want to share a little bit about that? Yeah, let, let me just touch on that. I know we're over, so but so I'll, I'll try to keep it short. But so as as we were talking before this, sending each other some voice memos, I was like, okay, this is like a like an open memoir to my 22 year old self or whatever. You know, I would I would just push really hard in terms of okay, who are the people that you aspire to be like? Just try to go figure out how to be around them. And if you can do that, then you're going to pick up on the on the character traits, the way that they think. You're going to pick up, just, just from simply being around them, a ton of stuff that's going to shortcut your path to success in whatever you want to do. And so it's both in character and in like the thing that you want to do. You know, a lot of times we'll just take a job because that's the best job available. And, and sometimes that can be great. But if you do have an idea of, man, I would love to do that, do whatever you got to do to go knock down the doors to go find that person and sweep the floors if you have to, to, to get in. And I'm telling you, man, they'll want to help you if you show that you are a valuable person to invest in, right? You're right. It can't, you can't just take, you want to give value. But if you find that person, go figure out how to add value to that person. It might be the timely wisdom of, you know, social media or something like that, but go find that person, figure out how to get around them. That, that would be one of my biggest pieces of advice. That's wonderful advice for the exception of people that were handed um, a business or, or had some sort of fortune, which nothing against them. Um, many people that you find are really successful oftentimes have that story of their teens or their early twenties of, I said, I would sweep the floor. I would do anything. I'd work for free. I just want to learn. I just want to be around you. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes people have that story of this level of grit and interest. So I just think if you can say, this is who I want to become. And like, I am just going to make myself available to learn older people. So we are wired to multiply and to develop other people. And whether you're a Christian or not, like the Bible says, be fruitful, multiply and fill the earth. Of course, that's talking about like your own offspring. But I also think that we have the desire to develop other people. Yeah. And whether you're a person of faith or not, people want to leave an impact and a legacy. And so if you can say, look, I'll work for free. I'll scrub the floors, whatever it takes. I want to learn. Maybe you get a few no's, but you're going to get yeses at some point. Um, so just be available for that whole situation. So to end us here, where can people find you? What is it? Catching made simple. Catching made simple is my handle. That is correct. Oh, I love it. I'll link that below guys. Um, hey, whether you know yeah. anything about baseball or not, go can ahead. Sorry. One more thing too. Yeah. So I'm sorry. I know we're way over, man, but um, another thing that, I'm so convicted on is that skills compound. And so I've heard Alex Ramosi talk about this a lot, but you know, like, like it's, it's really interesting. Even as I look back, like on the skills that I developed, right? Like as a youth pastor, you got to learn how to communicate. You got to learn how to uh, organize events. You got to learn how to talk with parents and set expectations of volunteers. Um, and so like you, you take that, you go into the digital marketing space, you take the SEO stuff, you take just a, a general knowledge of, of digital media, you take some writing stuff. 
um, take some operations stuff. Then you take that and you go into sales, you learn how to communicate, you learn how to cold call, you learn how to cold email, you learn how to open conversations, take a deal across the finish line, go over to CentOS, you learn how to sell a premium product uh, versus just trying to save people time and money and sell on value, come over to, to Impact, learn how to teach and communicate at a really high level because you're around other people that are communicating at a really high level, um, learn how to do uh, some of the short form content stuff that I'm learning, like, like the, the skills compound. And that would be one of the biggest things that I would say is, you know, if you're, if you are in your twenties, go get the skills, go get the skills, figure out again, who has them? How can you go get around that person and learn from them? Luckily for me, you know, I was taught how to do the short form stuff by, by one of my best friends because he, he had them. But go figure out who has what you want to learn and go get it. Because once you have it, it's not like you unlearn it, but it, instead it, it just continues to grow and compound. So that's not Yeah, dude, that's good. Like even, even your different jobs, they really have helped serve each other along the way. And you're just learning and learning and learning and learning. And so I'm, I'm excited to see where it leads you. I'm excited to see you double down where you are. Guys, Catching Made Simple, check them out on TikTok. You're going to want to be a catcher after you watch them. And thank you so much for joining me, man. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Ham. All right, folks, time for reaction steps. I have six of them. Number one, don't be afraid to send that DM. It could just change your life. Two, be available for whatever opportunity comes your way. You may have a coach, mentor, teacher, boss that says, hey, I believe in you. I want you to go be a catcher. I know you've never done it, but you can do this. Listen to their advice. Ange did that. It's changed his life. Three, be an aggressive learner. Four, simple but hard, deliberate practice. It's not sexy, but that's what the greats do. They practice over and over and over and over again. They practice perfectly. Number five, stance is important in catching, but in life. Think about what you're building your foundation on. Is it a firm foundation or are you building on sand? And then six, get around people that you want to be like. Scrub the floors to be around them if you have to. Hope you learned a lot this week. I certainly did. I'll see you next week. It's time for you and me to wake up and lead.